great song, but how convicting it is. I love the testimony of Job. I love that. So often we complain when just the weather isn't just right. Or we have a flat tire. Job lost all he had. And yet he praised God. And he served God. Well, that's powerful conviction, wasn't it? Open your Bibles again to Exodus chapter 32. There is a difference in teaching the Word of God and preaching the Word of God. Both are very important. I thoroughly enjoy teaching the Word of God in Sunday school. I enjoyed the lesson this morning. I enjoy teaching the Word of God on Wednesday night, but I'm going to preach tonight. And the difference in preaching and teaching, preaching demands a decision. So you will have to decide, you will have to decide tonight what you're going to do with the truth of the message. To ignore it is to say no. To listen to it and yield to the word of God is to say yes. And my heart's desire and I believe and my faith is uh, that it will encourage and help all of us to take a stand for God. As Moses makes the statement in verse number 26, who is on the Lord's side, let him come unto me. I want to ask every college student, I want to ask every teenager to listen closely. Please listen as I preach the message, who is on the Lord's side. I want to give a little bit of the setting and then I'll pray. I'm not going to tell the story in detail. It is a familiar story. Moses is on the mountain and is receiving the law from God. He is receiving what God wants the people to have. While he is gone, the people, they take their jewelry and they give it to Aaron and Aaron makes a golden calf for them to worship. As Moses and his servants are coming back from the mountain, they hear a noise. It's a strange noise. It's the noise of war is what they compare it to. And when he gets there, he sees the people are unclothed. They're naked. They're worshiping a golden calf. Moses evidently is angry. In fact, Aaron says, he said, don't let your anger wax hot. I believe he could see from the beginning that Moses was quite upset. Moses stands in the gate before the people as they're there worshiping the golden calf, naked, drunken, what a mess it was. And he cries out, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come to me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. Uh, Lord, we need encouragement. We need instruction. And sometimes we need to do an evaluation of our life to see where we stand and what direction we are headed. And tonight I pray that you would use this message in every single life. My prayer this afternoon and on my knees before walking into this building tonight was that every young person, every teenager, their attention would be given and Lord that you, Holy Spirit of God, would bring a holy hush of conviction upon the building and I would not waste a single word but preach the message as you've given it to me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Three times during the months, 
the children were of Israel were at Sinai. They're at the foot of Mount Sinai. The people make a public promise that they're going to obey the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles and go to Exodus chapter 19. I'll not read the context, but the context is a challenge to do right. And he asked the people. He doesn't just make a recommendation or a suggestion. He asked them and he waits for their answer. And three different times they commit themselves to be obedient to the word of God. Acts 19 and verse number 8 the Bible says, And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. They had an invitation, they had a public invitation. And the people said, Moses, you tell God we are going to obey him. That same scenario takes place again in chapter 24. Notice, if you will, Exodus chapter 24. I want you to look at verse number 3 where they say uh, almost the same thing. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord hath said will we do. This is repeated again in chapter 24 and verse number 7. And it is also seen in chapter 20 and verse number 19. Now you and I can remember days even in the year that we've made a commitment to serve God. I watched young people as they used at this altar by the hundreds in the month of March of which many of you young people were a part of those services and you knelt at these altars and you made the promise that you'll serve the Lord. Many times in our lives we make a commitment, we make a rededication, a recommitment of our lives, afresh and anew. And it's a good thing and it's a right thing and we find it throughout the scripture. We make a commitment to serve God. However, as Moses is in the mountain with God for 40 days, the people quickly forget. They forget their promises, they forget their commitment and they commit a great sin against God so quickly after they had just committed to serve him. When Moses returns from the mountain and a time with God, he comes to a people that, worship, that were worshiping a golden calf. It was an outright, full-blown, worldly event in every way. It was a time and an act of sensuality. It was a time and an act of rebellion against God. And in verse number 21, Moses calls it a great sin. It's a great sin for three reasons. First of all, it's a great sin because of who committed the sin. We're not talking about the Egyptians. We're not talking about the seven nations that live in the land of Canaan. We're talking about the people of God. We're talking about the born-again people. We're talking about Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night Christians. We're talking about folks that know the law of God and have committed to obey God. And here the Bible says that this people of God, I'm talking about the very best, the disciples of the Old Testament, these that have followed God, it is this people, this nation of Israel, this chosen people of God, his special treasure that has committed this great sin against him. 
It was a great sin because of when and where they committed it. They were at Mount Sinai. They weren't on vacation. They weren't in a carnal place. They weren't in a worldly place. They were in a place where the law of God was given. They were at Mount Sinai. It is at Mount Sinai. I mean, it would be like coming to this altar right here and committing a sin of worshiping a golden calf. I mean, doing the things that the Egyptians do. Can you imagine not only the sin they committed, but they did so at Mount Sinai. It was a great sin because of when and where it was committed. Thirdly, it was a great sin because of what they'd already experienced in the power and mercy of God. They were slaves. They could have still been slaves in the land of Egypt, but God delivered them with His hand. It wasn't long ago that they were slaves in the land of Egypt, but God has delivered them, and they have turned their worship from the God of their deliverance to a golden calf. No wonder Moses called it a great sin. He had parted the waters of the Red Sea, with Pharaoh and his army behind them. He had given them provision of food and water, the gracious leading of God telling them when to move forward, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. God protected them, and yet it is this very crowd. It's us. It's the best of people. It's people like us that have made a golden calf and have worshipped that golden calf. Now Israel's knowledge, don't miss this statement, Israel's knowledge and lust for idols was born in Egypt. Now you look at me, all of us have a desire for this world that must be conquered every day. You listening to me? Every day we deal, this old lustful flesh of ours, it desires the things of this world. Every day it desires the things of the world. And they remembered what they had learned in the land of Egypt. God had brought them out and yet so many times we think about or we're reminded living in this world of the sins of the world. We're reminded of what we've been delivered from and sometimes our lust is stirred toward those things. That's what had happened to these people here just outside the land of deliverance. Aaron fed the appetite of the people by giving them what they wanted. I'm thankful for the leadership of Moses. He didn't give them what they wanted. He gave them what they needed. And may we have a revival of men of God that will preach what America needs rather than what America wants. When Moses sees and assesses all that's going on, he issues a cry. The people are not dumb. They know what he's talking about. And he says... And I repeat the statement tonight. Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. Moses gives a call. Can you imagine the conviction that the people felt? And I pray that that conviction would be the same in my heart and yours tonight as we hear the call of the Holy Spirit saying, Who's on the Lord's side? When I hear that question, I want to raise my hand and I want to say, I'm on the Lord's side. I want God to know. I want the world to know. I want to declare in my own flesh, 
that I'm on the Lord's side. And he says of that crowd who has gone into sin, I mean this crowd who has committed the sin that we find in Romans chapter 1, the sin of the last days, turning the creature into the one that is worshipped rather than the creator. And he calls out who is on the Lord's side. And when he does, the sons of Levi, who was in the middle of that crowd, they stand up. No doubt they put their clothes on. No doubt they make a difference in their behavior. And I think some come with a broken heart and even tears as they come to Moses. And I can hear them as they say, oh Moses, I'm sorry. And Moses turns their attention not to him but to God and says, tell God you're sorry. We need a people who will serve God. At various times of the year, there needs to be issued a similar call and a cry to every local church. Throughout the year, there needs to be issued a call to every child of God in our nation and across the world who is on the Lord's side. This is a call for the people to identify whose side they desire to be on. Are you going to stay on the devil's world of sensuality, of self-pleasure and self-gratification? Or are you going to come to the Lord's side, the one that's delivered you out of Egypt and bondage and slavery and has prepared for you a land flowing with milk and honey? And so I ask the question to Clays Mill Road Baptist Church tonight, June 2023, who is on the Lord's side? Doesn't matter where we stand, doesn't matter where we are, we ought to be quick to say, I want everybody to know I'm on the Lord's side. I'm going to give you four areas that I challenge you to make a decision about in this first Sunday of June for this summer, for these summer months, that we would make a commitment to say, I'll be on the Lord's side this summer. First of all, I want us to commit to uh, to be on the Lord's side with our desires. The desires of our heart, the crucifying of the flesh, the feeding of the spirit. What will we do with our desires this summer? Will we do as these did when Moses was away and make a golden calf to worship? Will we worship the world? Will we worship our flesh? Will we worship the desires of our flesh? Or will we cast off the golden calf of the world and worship the God who saved us and blessed us? I want to say tonight, you and I are not to be in, del- not to be in love with this world. Our desires ought to be to be in love with God. Take your Bibles and go with me to 1 John chapter 2, please. 1 John, the first of three epistles that John in his old age writes to a third generation, just the third generation from Jesus that had begun to grow cold in their love and in their service and in their faithfulness to God. He writes to them in this letter of 1 John chapter 2 beginning in verse number 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Folks, you can't love the world and love God in the same summer. You can't do the same. Who is on the Lord's side? Let's decide we're going to use our desires to love God. Verse number 16, for all that is in the world. What is it? The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 
and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And ye have heard that Antichrist it shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. I ask you tonight, who is on the Lord's side? who will take their desires and decide, I'm going to love God this summer. I'm going to put God first in my life this summer. I'm talking about our music. Let's just go ahead and decide tonight that we're not going to let our ears and our minds and our lives be filled with the music of the world that's driven by the lust of the flesh and driven by the pride of life. Let's decide we're going to listen to music that honors and glorifies God, that praises the God of heaven, that magnifies the God that gave us salvation, that picked us up out of the miry clay and set our feet on a solid rock and established our goings. Let's not listen to the music of the world and let the desires of our, uh, of our flesh be satisfied with worldliness, but let's let our spirit be satisfied with music like the choir has sung tonight, the amazing grace song like we sang this evening. Isn't it wonderful to still sing amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. What about the song, The Lord Giveth and Taketh Away? Blessed be the name of the Lord. You might satisfy your flesh with the music of the world for a few minutes, but it won't leave you with satisfaction. It will leave you with guilt. We don't need to listen to music about alcohol and adultery and fornication. Somebody say amen. We don't need to listen to that kind of music. We need to listen to music that honors and glorifies God. Who's on the Lord's side with our desires tonight? What about our fellowship? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now you know that you and I are supposed to be kind to every single person saved or lost. And you know that you and I are supposed to let our light shine in this dark world. But our fellowship, our enjoyment of entertainment is not to be in the places of the world. But our fellowship needs to be in Sunday school and church and with God's people and with family that will help us and strengthen us. If we're not careful and not be long, we'll go from worshiping the Creator to the creation, this crowd worshiping a golden calf. Who's on the Lord's side? What will you do with the desires of your eyes this summer? I dread summertime because of the open 
nakedness and the, and, 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 and the pride and the lust that's in our world. Our bodies are not, be, not to be displayed for the public to see. The psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside and shall not cleave to me. What will you do with your eyes as far as what you watch? You ought to decide, I'm not going to watch television that uses God's name in vain. Doesn't matter how good the movie is. Doesn't matter how good the story is. How can we let our conscience be so defiled listening to a crowd curse and use God's name in vain? I don't want my eyes to behold those things. I want my eyes to behold things that are clean and right and pure. Moses stood in the gate of the camp. Who's on the Lord's side? Moses said, where will we give the desires of our eyes, our minds, or the places that we go? The Bible says in Genesis 13, 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. And then the Bible says this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He looked toward that place. I don't want to see the places of the world. I don't want to think that it takes worldliness to me uh, to entertain me or I don't need the world for my mind to rest. I don't want my mind and conscience and soul to be violated. We don't want our children to see the filth of the world, taking them to places that would create an appetite that when they're adults, they'll go back to a place that will pervert their mind or destroy their bodies. When you go on vacation this summer, make sure the main thing is that you spend time together as family. You spend time together and time with God. Vacation is not a place to backslide. Vacation is a place that we ought to rest and be ready to work and serve God. That's Bible I'm preaching tonight. Our desires. Who's on the Lord's side? What about Bible doctrine? Not just our desires, but doctrine. Folks, you know it is true. We've seen in this generation a falling away like I've never seen before. Yes, I have seen in past generations denominational falling away. There were a time that various denominations were Bible believers and Bible readers and Bible preachers. And we've seen that falling away. And I, I recognize that and I saw that as various denominations discussed that they would use a different version of the Bible, oftentimes a watered-down version, and a version uh, that takes away from the virgin birth and some being critical of the blood. And they use a version, as they say, that is not as bloody, they would say, and they're denying the blood atonement. And I understand that falling away, but in my generation, I've seen a falling away of independent Baptists. I've seen that. I've seen those who call themselves independent Baptists have conferences that they advertise transitioning from the King James Bible. Those that are my age that have turned their back 
on the word of God and turn their back on Sunday night church and turn their back on the fervency of serving God. And I'll use the word militancy of serving God. I'm excited about serving God. I'm serious about serving God. But I've seen many of my generation turn their back and even being critical today of old time preaching that they once said amen to. I want to ask you tonight, who's on the Lord's side when it comes to Bible doctrine? There are those using the internet to mock and make fun of the old time religion. There are those that mock those that would stand as an independent Baptist. I want to say tonight the Bible is the word of God because God said that it is. It has stood the test of time. If Moses were standing here tonight and he held this Bible and said, Who is on the Lord's side? I would want to quickly and run and stand beside Moses and say, Moses, I stand for the old King James Bible. I still believe God is the creator. And I believe Jesus is God in the flesh. And salvation is bind through him and him alone. Who's on the Lord's side? Who believes that salvation is by grace through faith tonight? Say amen. Who believes that baptism is a testimony of our faith in Christ? It is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who believes tonight in the local church that the Lord Jesus founded during his earthly ministry and on the day of Pentecost 3,000 souls were saved and baptized and were added to the church? I still believe that old book right there. I want folks to know I'm on the Lord's side. I still believe we have the responsibility to preach the gospel to every creature. I believe it is your responsibility and my responsibility. I believe everyone is supposed to be a personal witness and a personal soul winner. And you need to hear that because one day you're going to stand before God and give an account as to what you did, not collectively as a church, but what we did as an individual to get the gospel to those that do not know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who's on the Lord's side when it comes to our desires? Who's on the Lord's side when it comes to Bible doctrine? What about our dress styles and our fashions? Who's on the Lord's side? Who will identify themselves as a Christian this summer? I'm preaching to you tonight. I'm asking you the question as Moses stood, Aaron giving the people what they wanted and there was nothing but confusion and there was nothing but a blasphemous behavior that turned their very backs on God and Moses steps back into the crowd and he says, who's on the Lord's side? He didn't have to spend 45 minutes defining what he meant. They knew what he meant, who's on the Lord's side. The Bible says they were naked. Why did the Bible say that? Why did the Bible say that? Because it's wrong to be naked publicly. Hello. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Hope to the end for the grace that is be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, don't miss it, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust 
in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be holy for I am holy. We're not to fashion ourselves like the world. We're an ambassador of Christ. Deuteronomy 22, 5, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. 1 Timothy 2, 8 and 9, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. It is a shame today that there is no shame in exposing your body publicly. The Bible says there ought to be a respect for our body with shamefacedness and sobriety. And he goes on to say, which becometh women professing godliness with good works. As Moses of old faced that crowd that had once pledged to serve God and obey the Lord. He asked the question, who's on the Lord's side? We're living in a day today that men have dressed like women and women have dressed like men that we've so confused the generation that their public teachers in, in high school and college telling children you can choose any one of six, seven, or eight genders there are. God didn't make 15 genders. He made two. And they have an identification according to the word of God. There's no pride in the ungodly behavior of homosexuality. That behavior ought to bring an embarrassment and a shame to the child of God. God did not create men to lie with men and women to lie with women. The Bible speaks against that. And we as Christians need to let the world know in our dress... I'm on the Lord's side. Then I say, last of all, what about our duty this summer? Who's on the Lord's side? I wish I could recap the book of Ecclesiastes and Solomon said, I experienced everything there is to experience in the world. All of it. And I found that every single thing is vanity. It's empty. It has no satisfaction at all. Doesn't matter how much of it you have, it has no satisfaction. And then this is how he concludes. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. This is the whole duty of man. I contend that serving God is not an option. I contend that serving God is rather our duty to serve God. I believe it's our reasonable sacrifice to be faithful to God and put God first in our lives and have a place of service. It is not a matter of pleasure or convenience or likes or dislikes, but rather our duty to serve the Lord. As I've read this week of those military stories that so stir my heart, I long to see the old America revived again. I long to see a patriotism stirred again. As I read of young men just 15, 16, 17 years old that would tell the recruiter, I'm 18, because they wanted to fight for their country. They wanted to fight for the freedom of their country. Give us a generation of Christians who'll say, I want to serve God. I want to have a place of service. Count me in. Put me in the battle. I want to serve God. Who's on the Lord's side when it comes to our duty? Make sure tonight you have gospel tracts in your pocket.
We're not all the same personality. I understand that. Some folks are quiet and shy. I understand that. But being a quiet and shy person doesn't mean we have no responsibility with the gospel. God will give you opportunities to be a gospel witness. If you'll ask God, God help me. But let's decide it's our duty to give the gospel. It's our duty to give the gospel. I owe it to the one that delivered me from the land of Egypt and brought me across the Red Sea that's taken care of me that I pledged three times I would serve him. And now here we come and Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? It's our duty to be a witness. And I'm preaching tonight to a church that's a faithful group of people, but tonight I make the clarion call to say who is on the Lord's side. If you're a part of the choir and music, if you're on the Lord's side, be in your place this summer. I understand there are vacation times and travel times. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not being unreasonable. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm just saying from time to time, we need to look at our responsibilities and decide I'm going to be faithful to my commitment in serving God. Be faithful in the nursery. Be faithful in your place of security. Be faithful in your place as an usher, as a greeter, as a Sunday school teacher, cleaning and ministry and youth and children and education. Be committed in your duty. Stand with me. I'm going to read the words to a song that I love. I wish I could sing it. It's one of those songs that has a difficult tune for me to sing. But the song says, When you count the ones who love the Lord, count me. When you count up those who trust his word, <laughs> the song says, count me. When you count up those who are saved by grace, count me. Who have found in Christ a hiding place, count me. When you count up those who do the right, count me. Those who are walking in the gospel light, count me. When you count up those who forward press, Count me. Who shall gain the crown of righteousness? Count me. Count me with the children of the heavenly king. Count me with the servants who would service, who would service bring. Count me with the ransom who his praises sing. Count me. Count me. Moses said, Who is on the Lord's side? I ask us tonight. Let's commit ourselves in our duty our dress, our doctrine, and our desire to let the world know I'm on the Lord's side. Heavenly Father, help us tonight, I pray. Help us to put ourselves in that place. And Lord, how quickly all of us are prone to wonder. All of us have the same flesh. All of us do. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight to say, thank the Lord for Moses who represents and stands for the truth. And I want to be counted for the cause of Christ. Bless our invitation.